Heavenly Father, we thank you for the great privilege it is to be able to hear the living God speak to sinful creatures such as ourselves. Lord, we pray that we may be ready to listen this morning. May we not just hear your word, but may we take it and chew on it and digest it, and may it become a part of us. As we listen to your word this morning, may it change us to be more like your son, Jesus Christ. And we pray this in his name. Amen. Well, have you ever had to give up something that is very precious to you, something that you love dearly, but someone told you that you had to yield it to somebody else or just give it up completely? I know that I haven't had to give up too many things. I was trying to rack my brain uh, this week, trying to think of some sort of illustration from my life that I've had to give up. And I think one of the most important things that I've had to give up in my life is my previous profession to this. I thoroughly enjoyed what I was doing as a podiatrist. Now, many of you may say, why would you enjoy looking at feet all day long? But it wasn't so much the looking at feet. It was what came after I stopped work as a, a, a podiatrist itself and started doing research into feet and to a particular uh, ailment and doing uh, medical research. I thoroughly enjoyed it. And it was with great heaviness of heart at first that I started to yield to this uh, thought, this passion that started to arise in myself to go into ministry. And so I ended up sacrificing that love that I had for medical research to go into the ministry. Have you had to give up something in your life, something that you love dearly, because somebody told you to or because you felt that it was the right thing to do? Today we're going to look at two people who gave up something that was very dear to them, something that they had to sacrifice. And the first person that we're going to look at is, of course, Abraham. Abraham. And we look at what he had to sacrifice was his son. I invite you to turn with me to Genesis chapter 22. Genesis chapter 22, page 19 of the Black Church Bibles, page 19. And we're firstly going to be looking at this morning Abraham and the sacrifice that he made. And that brings me to my first main point this morning. Abraham had to sacrifice his son. Abraham had to sacrifice his son. If you want to see my main points, they're there listed on the back of the church bulletin so that you can follow along this morning. And the first is that Abraham had to sacrifice his son. Why did Abraham have to sacrifice his son? Well, because God instructed him to do so. And we read that in verse 2 of Genesis chapter 22. But I actually read from verse 1. Genesis chapter 22, page 19 of your Black Church Bibles, verse 1, we read, Sometime later God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Then God said, Take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains I will tell you about. Here we see that Abraham had to sacrifice his son. Why? Because God, a superior being to himself, someone that Abraham had loved and received many great promises from up to this point and seen great blessing from God, God, this powerful being, had said to him, you must sacrifice your son. So Abraham had to sacrifice his son. He was commanded to do so. But was Abraham actually willing to do so? He was commanded to do so, but was he willing to sacrifice his son? 
Well, that brings me to my second main point this morning. Abraham was willing to sacrifice his son. Abraham was willing to sacrifice his son. And we see that as we read through Genesis chapter 22. We see his willingness. But firstly, we have to consider why was he so willing to sacrifice his son? Was it because there was something about Isaac that made it easy to do? Something about this request that made it particularly easy for Abraham to do so? Was it because Abraham didn't actually love Isaac? He didn't really care for his son. Well, that's not true because the Bible actually tells us in verse 2 of Genesis chapter 22, God acknowledges that Abraham loves his son. We read, Then God said, Take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains I will tell you about. It was not easy for Abraham to sacrifice his son as though he didn't love that son of his. No, he loved Isaac deeply. Maybe you think, oh, well, Abraham was not simply, uh, he was willing to sacrifice his son because he had no prospects. He might love the son dearly, but let's face it, my son's not really going anywhere. And so he's got, uh, it's not that big a deal if I lose this son because, and it's not going to really impact the world because he's really got no prospects. I don't really see much good coming out of Isaac. But we know that Isaac is the one who all the great blessings that were given to Abraham were to then be extended through Isaac to many people. We read in Genesis chapter 17 where God says, Your wife Sarah will bear you a son and you will call him Isaac. I will establish my covenant with him as an everlasting covenant for his descendants after him. The descendants after Isaac are very important. There's a covenant that God is establishing with them and great blessing that's going to be poured out on all nations. And it's going to come through Isaac. God has been very specific about the future prospects of Isaac. And so it's not easy for Abraham to then say, oh, well, Isaac wasn't really going anywhere. So I guess, yeah, a burnt offering is the best place for him to end up. Well, maybe you think oh, Abraham was willing to sacrifice Isaac because he had lots of sons, though. He loved Isaac, but let's face it, he can move on to another son with his affection. But we've got to remember that Isaac is the only son of Abraham through his wife, Sarah. And we actually see that in verse 2 it says as well, Then God said, Take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the region of Moriah. It was not as though he would have one son, he'd lose that, but he's got many sons to replace Isaac. Isaac was a miracle baby. He was given to Sarah and Abraham in their old age. He was very dear to Abraham. It was not easy for Abraham to be willing to sacrifice his son. But how willing was Abraham? Was it something that he grudgingly, eventually got around to doing? Like sometimes we're commanded to do something and we put it on the to-do list and it stays on the to-do list for many months, many years, and eventually we get around to doing it. Now what do we read? We read in Genesis chapter 22 that Abraham was very willing to sacrifice his son. Firstly, we read that he got up early the next morning and did it. Verse 3, he gets commanded in verse 2 to sacrifice his son. And then verse 3, early the next morning, Abraham got up and saddled his donkey. He was willing to do it the very next day. And then he makes the preparations. 
to do it. He doesn't sort of, oh, yes, I'll do it today, but then he doesn't really get around to doing much to do it, and so it gets left undone. No, he took with him two of his servants after saddling his donkey, it says in verse 3, and his son Isaac, when he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place God had told him about. So he makes sure he's got the wood there ready to take to make the burnt offering. He prepares for doing God's work. And then we see he's also willing to do it over a protracted period. It's not like he sets up early the next day, sets out early the next day and, and somehow gets a change of heart later on. We read that it actually took him three days to get to the place. Verse 4, it says, On the third day Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. Abraham had to keep going for three days with that frame of mind. I am going to sacrifice my son. It wasn't like a quick rip of a band-aid off your, off your hairy arm. And you think, oh, I'll just do it quickly and it'll be over with. Abraham had to do this over a protracted period. He had to prepare for it and then make the journey. And so we see a real willingness on his part to comply with God's command. And we also see that he's willing to do it even when he starts to get provoked from his son with some pretty difficult questions. What do we read in verse 7? Flip with me over to the page uh, 20 of your black church Bibles. We read there as they're going along, he's left his servants behind. Then in verse 7, Isaac spoke up and said to his father, Abraham, father... Yes, my son, Abraham replied. The fire and wood are here, Isaac said, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Imagine if that was your son, your daughter, that was asking that question, and you knew what Abraham knew. Would that be an easy question to deal with? Would that be a question that might stop you in your tracks and stop you from doing what God has commanded? But no, we see that Abraham is willing He's very willing to do what God has commanded. And then we see in Scripture, as it goes on, that he is so willing that he goes up to the very point of lifting up the knife, ready to slay his son. And it is only then that God calls out and stays his hand. Abraham was willing to sacrifice his son. You might be asking, why? Why would Abraham do this? Well, I mean, the easy answer is that he loves God more than he loves his son. We see in John 14, 15, Jesus says, If you love me, you will obey what I command. If you love God, you will obey his commands. And that is Abraham's life. He is one who loves God. And so when God gives him a command, he does it. What was the result of Abraham's obedience in sacrificing his son? Maybe There's got to be some purpose here through all of this ordeal. It's quite an scary thing to read in the scriptures that God would demand someone to be willing to actually kill their own son. What is the result of this for Abraham? Well, that brings me to my third main point this morning. Abraham brought great blessing by his sacrifice. Abraham brought great blessing by his sacrifice. And we read about those blessings uh, from verse 17, but I'll read from verse 15. The angel of the Lord called to Abraham from heaven a second time, And said, I swear by myself, declares the Lord, that because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as the sand on the seashore. Your descendants will take possession of the cities of their enemies and through your offspring all nations on earth will be blessed because you have obeyed me. Because of Abraham's willingness to sacrifice his son, 
He experiences great blessing. Firstly, there's blessing that is to Abraham himself. In verse 17 it says, I will surely bless you. And then also to his descendants. And the great blessing of actually having many descendants. In verse 17 we read, I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as the sand on the seashore. Abraham has the great blessing of many descendants after him. And he also has the blessing of land for his descendants as well. We continue reading in verse 17. Your descendants will take possession of the cities of their enemies. They will have great land. They will have cities that are built for them by some other people and then they inherit them. And then blessing actually comes from Abraham and his sacrifice to all nations. Verse 18, it says, And through your offspring all nations on earth will be blessed because you have obeyed me. This part of the Bible teaches us that when God commands you to do something and then you do it, blessing usually follows. But is that the only lesson we're to get from this part of the Bible that's so unusual for us, Genesis chapter 22? No, I think this points us to an even greater event, a very similar event, but an even greater event that happens in history. And that brings me to my fourth main point this morning. God had to sacrifice his son. God had to sacrifice his son. Now, we have to be careful here. God didn't have to sacrifice his son initially. God, of course, is God. There is no greater power than him. There is no greater authority than him. So he is not like Abraham and has a God speak to God and tell him what he must do. He must sacrifice his son. That is not true. God is the king of kings. He is the Lord of lords. There is no greater authority than him. But God did make a promise to deal with the problem of sin and to deal with it by his son. And once he did that, God has no other option but to follow through on the sacrifice of his son. Jesus, God's son, actually begged for another way to be used for human sin to be removed from sinners like you and me. We see just before Jesus is crucified... Jesus actually says, my father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me. If it is possible, if there is any other way, may it be taken from me. Yet not as I will, but as you will. If there was any other way, God would have used it. But because God had made a promise and he knew that there was no other way for sin to be atoned for. We read in Hebrews chapter 10.4 that the blood of animals cannot be used. Hebrews 10.4 says it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. It had to be a human sacrifice and a human that had never sinned. And the only way for that to be possible is if it was God's own son. And it had to be someone who is divine as well as fully human. Because let's face it, Jesus' death, if he was not divine, would only be suitable for one other person. He would only be able to die as a substitute for one other person. But if he is to die for multiple people, then he has to be divine so that his death is of infinite value. But did God promise to sacrifice his son? That that would be the way that evil would be conquered in this world? Well, God did. Yes, as early as Genesis 3, there's lots of promises in the Bible about God dealing with sin 
But Genesis 3.15, very early on in the Bible says, And I will put enmity between you and the woman, that's between Satan and the woman, and between your offspring and hers, he will crush your head and you will strike his heel. Once God made that promise, he will crush your head and you will strike his heel, he had to follow through. He had to have offspring from Eve, descended from Eve, who would crush Satan's head. Because... Once God makes a promise, he cannot change his mind. He made the promise and then he has to fulfill on it. Did God have to keep his promise, you may ask? Well, yes. We read in Numbers 23, 19, God is not a man that he should lie, nor a son of man that he should change his mind. Does he speak and then not act? Does he promise and not fulfill? God cannot make a promise like you or I make a promise and then go back on it. When God promises something, he has to fulfill it. As If he does not, then he becomes unholy, and that is impossible for him to do. He is holy, he is spotless, he is without sin. And so he cannot lie, he cannot go back on a promise. When he makes a promise, he has to fulfill it. And so my fourth main point is exactly right. God had to sacrifice his son. Once he made a promise about it, he had to do it. question is then, was God actually willing to do so? And that brings me to my fifth main point this morning. God was willing to sacrifice his son. God was willing to sacrifice his son. And we read about that in the New Testament where Jesus goes to the cross. You might say, oh, well, maybe it was easy for God to sacrifice his son. Maybe it wasn't so easy for Abraham. We went through why it wasn't easy for Abraham. He loved his son dearly. He saw that his son was going to do great things. But he thought it would be okay. It wasn't easy for Abraham to sacrifice his son, and it wasn't easy for God either. Maybe you think, oh, well, God didn't really love his son, Jesus Christ. But we know that the Bible tells us clearly that God does love his son. And he displays that love even in the Gospels, where we see at Jesus' baptism that a voice comes from heaven And what does that voice from heaven say about Jesus Christ? God the Father speaks about the Son. And what does he say? This is my Son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. It's not as though God didn't love his Son and so it was easy for him to sacrifice him for the sins of people. And it's not as though... God was willing because his son had no real prospects. He loved his son dearly, but he had no prospects for his son. We read that in Daniel 7, what was going to happen to Jesus Christ one day. Daniel chapter 7, he says, Daniel sees a vision in verse 13, and he says, In my vision at night I looked, and there before me was one like a son of man, which is a clear reference to Jesus Christ, who also goes by that title, Son of Man. And coming with him... Coming with the clouds of heaven, he approached the Ancient of Days, God himself, and was led into his presence. He was given authority, glory, and sovereign power. All peoples, nations, and men of every language worshipped him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away, and his kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. Now, they are prospects that you might like for your son, someone that has Authority, glory, sovereign power, all peoples, nations and men of every language worshipping him. That is the prospects of Jesus Christ. That's in Daniel 7, before Jesus was crucified. Daniel sees this vision and sees the prospects of Jesus Christ. And they are great prospects that God has lined up for his son. And so it's not easy for God to give his son Jesus Christ. 
You might think, oh, well, maybe it's easy because God has lots of other sons. He can give up Jesus, just like we thought, oh, maybe Abraham could give up Isaac, but then we saw that Isaac was God, uh, Abraham's only son. But we read that Jesus is God's one and only son. In John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, his only begotten son, as the older translations have. One and only son. There is no other son like Jesus Christ. And so for God to give up his one and only son is very hard. It's not easy for God to do so. But we see that God is willing to sacrifice his only son. And we see that in the pages of the New Testament. If you haven't read the New Testament before or haven't read the Gospels, then I encourage you to do so and see God's willingness in giving up his son. He prepared over the centuries to do so. We read in Acts chapter 2, verse 22, where Peter speaks about God's preparation for this. Peter says to the Jews, he says, Men of Israel, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did among you through him, as you yourselves know. Peter's talking about Jesus Christ. But then he says, This man, Jesus, was handed over to you, that's the Jews, by God's set purpose and foreknowledge. And you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. It wasn't as though Jesus went to the cross without God really preparing for it. God prepared for it. Abraham prepared to sacrifice his son. God prepared to sacrifice his son. Put all the events in motion. He made sure that those people were there. He handed Jesus over to the Jews. He handed Jesus over to the Roman authorities. And Jesus was crucified. And so Jesus is crucified in a very, uh, in a similar way to we see with Abraham sacrificing his son. We see that Abraham's sacrifice of his son points to Jesus Christ. And it points to him in so many different ways, as I've just tried to outline to you. But one of the ways that we even see it is that Jesus was probably, in all likelihood, crucified on the same mountain that Abraham went up with his son thousands of years earlier. Where was Abraham supposed to go to? In chapter 22, we read in verse 2, Then God said, Take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains I will tell you about. So we can't be completely sure of which mountain, but a region of Moriah. Where else is Moriah mentioned in the Bible? Second Chronicles Chapter 3, verse 1. What do we read there? Then Solomon began to build the temple of the Lord in Jerusalem on Mount Moriah. The temple was built on Mount Moriah. Moriah was where Abraham went up with his son, Isaac. The temple was built on Mount Moriah. Where was Jesus sacrificed? In Jerusalem. Well, outside the city walls. Same location. Very likelihood the same mountain that Abraham took his son up to sacrifice him on. And so we see that God pointed to his son's sacrifice many years earlier by commanding Abraham to sacrifice his son. Now why would God be willing to do this? Why would God send his son to be sacrificed in this world? 
Why would he plan and orchestrate this whole thing? Well, it's because of his love. Just like Abraham would have been motivated out of love for God, God was willing to sacrifice his son because of his love. What do we read in John 3.16, which I just read earlier? For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. What is the motivating force behind God's sacrifice? His love. His love for the world. So what is the result of God's sacrifice? We saw there were great results from Abraham's willingness to sacrifice his son. What are the results of God's sacrifice? Well, similar results to that of Abraham, but even greater, but very similar. That brings me to my sixth main point this morning. God brought great blessing by his sacrifice. God brought great blessing by his sacrifice. Firstly, same as Abraham, God's sacrifice brought about blessing for his own son. We saw Isaac was blessed through Abraham's obedience and through God's willingness to sacrifice his son. We see that Jesus Christ was blessed as well. How? He died, didn't he? That's not a great blessing. At least Isaac, he wasn't killed. God stopped Abraham's hand. No, we see Christ, and Romans 8.34 says, Christ Jesus, who died, yes, he did die, wasn't somehow removed from the cross and somebody else crucified in his place. No, he did die, but more than that, who was raised to life is at the right hand of God. Is Jesus blessed? Yes. And it came because of the sacrifice that he made. He was raised to life and is at the right hand of God. And any other blessings that we get from God's sacrifice? Well, same as Abraham, God's sacrifice brought about great offspring from Jesus, spiritual offspring. We read in Galatians chapter 3, verse 29, If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Many people become heirs of God through Jesus Christ. Great offspring. And thirdly, same as Abraham, God's sacrifice brought about blessing for God's descendants from Christ. Just as Abraham's descendants would be greatly blessed, and he had those descendants, then God's descendants will not just be many, but they will be blessed as well. We read in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3, it says, Praise be to the God and Father, our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Those people who belong to God are and belong to Jesus, through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, have every spiritual blessing in Christ. Great blessing has come through the sacrifice of God. And then fourthly, same as Abraham, God's sacrifice brought land for God's descendants. Great land. What do you say? Oh, is that Australia? All the people who belong to God are ones who live in Australia, the land here? Or is it people who are over in Jerusalem, people who are in Israel? Isn't that God's land? Well, there's a heavenly city that we are looking forward to as well. There is a heavenly city that we look forward to. We saw that in Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11, where we see that people look forward to that heavenly city. Page 1192. Page 1192. We're speaking about God's people. It said in verse 13, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 13, all these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance. 
And they admitted that they were aliens and strangers on earth. They don't have any land. They're aliens and strangers. Not little green men, but foreigners. Strangers on this earth. People who say such things show that they are looking for a country of their own. Yes, they're looking for a country. It's not as though they don't want any land. They want one. But if they had been thinking of the country they had left, they would have had opportunity to return. Instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. There is a land for God's people, and it's called heaven, paradise. Just read Revelation chapter 21 this afternoon to find out how great that land is. And that land is possible for the descendants of Jesus because of the sacrifice that God made. The sacrifice of Jesus Christ takes away our sin. And so we can have that wonderful nation, uh, that wonderful land in heaven itself. Then you may be saying, oh, well, who gets to be a part of that land? Who gets to be a descendant of Jesus Christ? Is it certain nations? Certain people groups? Is it just the Jews? Well, same as Abraham, God's sacrifice brought blessing to all nations. Remember that the promise was made, because you have obeyed me, Abraham, you will be a blessing to all nations. And we see that Jesus' sacrifice brings blessing to all nations. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 6, we read, The Gentiles, that's non-Jews, are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body, and sharers together in the promise in Christ Jesus. All nations are blessed because of the sacrifice of God, which is Jesus Christ. So then you may be saying, okay, well, how do I get my name written in God's book of life? How can I get to be one of those descendants of Jesus Christ? Well, Galatians 3.26 tells us, you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. Through faith in Christ Jesus. It's not about through works, it's through faith. What does that mean? It means if you trust that Jesus Christ died for you, then your sins are made clean, you're, you're, you're made clean, your sins are removed because of Christ's sacrifice, because of that substitute that God put in place of you at the cross. And so all those blessings that are given to God's people are then given to you. You are blessed and you have a heavenly home to look forward to. So the question is this morning, do you marvel at Abraham's willingness to sacrifice his son? Do you think, could I ever do that? Well, marvel even more at the sacrifice that that sacrifice of Abraham points to, the one of Jesus Christ, where God himself gave his one and only son because of his love for you if you will repent of your sins and believe in Jesus Christ. Are you one of those who inherit great blessings because the sacrifice that God made was for you? Or are you not looking forward to a heavenly city because you do not have faith in Jesus Christ? Let's speak with our God now. Let us come to him. Heavenly Father, we thank you for what we can learn from the willingness of Abraham to sacrifice his one and only son 
because you commanded him to do so. But Lord, we thank you that there's an even greater sacrifice made by a father of his son, and that is yourself with your son, Jesus Christ. We cannot thank you enough for giving your son so that sinners like ourselves could be saved from eternity of pain and suffering in hell and instead look forward to great blessing in this life and also in the life to come. We pray that anyone in this room this morning who has not put their trust in Jesus Christ, has not become part of the spiritual offspring of Jesus, may do so this morning and may then be a great heir in your kingdom. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.